everyone. Good morning. Welcome to Kesed. If you're new, my name is Danny. Thanks for being here. Uh, I'm going to be sharing with you today. Uh, thanks for coming, especially those of you who uh, church isn't your thing. You're not really sure why you're here, but it's probably the AC. Um, that's fine. That's fine. The Holy Spirit can use anything. And, uh, and uh, so I'm excited that you're here uh, because uh, Kesed is a place that's okay with tension. Kesed is a place that's okay with your story, and y- you might think, but you don't know my story, and I'm like, but, but everybody has one, and everybody has a story that they think nobody else knows, and that's one of the most beautiful things about gathering, uh, at, at least at this church, is that we're willing to sit in the space that, that uh, your story and my story are going to be different, but that we both are a part of this world, and we both have a role to play and uh, we're just excited that you're curious about that today. We're in a series right now called Choose Your Own Adventure. We're in week five. Uh, the whole series is an approach to the Bible that we wanted to make kind of different. And it's an approach to the Bible based through the context of the uh, very popular, primarily 90s, uh, Choose Your Own Adventure books. And in the books, you could read a few chapters in, and then all of a sudden it would say, hey, if you want to finish the story this way, turn to this page. Or if you want to finish the story this way, turn to this page. Therefore, you could have a very different adventure every time you read through the book. And we've kind of been talking about how the Bible is intended to be used that way uh, in a lot of different seasons. That sometimes you're supposed to read it and you're supposed to sit it down and ponder it and apply it to a part of your life or a part of your day uh, in a certain way. And other times you're supposed to read it and you're supposed to decide whether or not that's for you or maybe that's for somebody else. Or sometimes you're supposed to read it and you're supposed to decide whether or not you're going to apply that to your life or whether you're going to be curious about how you may need to understand it differently. On and on and on, you are invited through the Bible into this adventure. And so often we, we read the Bible in a complex or even a boring way. And hold on. wasn't it? <laughs> you guys made me choke up. This hasn't happened in a long time. There's somebody in here. It's emotional for me right now. Okay, that's who it was that made me choke up. Okay, let's keep going unless I choke again. Um, so the whole concept is basically that you get to engage in the Bible at your pace and in a way that is relevant to you today and your story. And so that's what we're going to continue to do today. Now, every single week, we picked a book cover that was supposed to be sort of like a real-life context, a situation or a, or a thing that sort of helped us to kind of dive into a certain topic that the Bible promotes. And I just want to start off by saying that this uh, particular week could be uh, one of the most important sermons that I preached this year. Because this week, we're going to talk about a theme that runs front to back in the Bible, and that theme is worship. And for a lot of people, this means music, and we're going to unpack that a little bit. But it actually is so, so much more. Um, Chandra, who led us in worship today, she helped me pick this book. And I said, Chandra, I need help picking a good worship book for Choose Your Own Adventure. And Chandra decided to choose the book, Trumpet of Terror. of Chandra's book. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Chandra. And uh, I read to you the back of each book, and I generally don't read the back of the book till the week I'm going to do it. This is the back of this week's book. It says, Trumpet of Terror, 
You and your best friend have always dreamed of sailing the seas. But on the morning of your departure, you are approached by Odin, the Norse father of gods. Pagan, Chandra, pagan. <laughs> the gods are in danger, he says, and desperately need your help. Why you? In addition to your bravery and cunning, the reason why is because you are the keeper of the trumpet of terror, a magical horn that causes enemies to surrender instantly. If you so choose, you may travel across the rainbow bridge into the realm of gods, scramble the fate of the universe, survive a volcanic explosion, or even turn into a fish. What happens next is completely up to you. Now, when I, when I read the back of the book, I thought, I don't know if I can read the back of a book uh, involving false gods at a church service. And then I was like, but wait, it's Kessid. Yes, I can. So I did. <clears throat> so I did. And I started thinking about this because I think it actually fits quite well. Because here's the reality. Whether a false pagan god or the awe-inspiring one and only true living god, worship matters. It's an important theme in our creation, and it's an important theme in our lives as created. And that's because there is this powerful idea that worship is the great defeater of the enemies of God. And that is not just something in a Choose Your Own Adventure book. That's actually in uh, our Bible. And if you didn't see this coming and you're a Bible person, then, uh, then I'm sorry for you, but we're going to be in Joshua chapter 6, the fall of Jericho, because it is so on the nose that I couldn't help but at least read the, uh, this portion of the story. Now, the people of Israel have moved into the promised land, the, the territory God has called them to, and there are inhabitants there, uh, and they are dark people. They are people of paganness. They are people who, who, who offer living sacrifices and so forth, and God is removing these people from the land that he is giving his people, but these people have big old cities, and they have big walls around their cities, and one of these cities is the name is called Jericho. Verse 1, now Jericho was shut up inside and outside because of the people of Israel, None went out and none came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand with its king and mighty men of valor. You shall march around the city, all the men of war going around the city once. Thus you shall do for six days. Seven priests then shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. And on the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpets. And when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, when you hear the sound of the trumpet, then all the people shall shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city will fall down flat, and the people shall go up, everyone straight before him. So Joshua the son of Nun called the priests and said to him, Take up the Ark of the Covenant, and let seven priests bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Ark of the Lord. And he said to the people, Go forward. And they did this thing. And they did actually uh, use this, these trumpets to, to, to bring out this great blast of, of worship. And in this story, the walls came crumbling down. And I like stories like this because the way I read the Bible is, is I'm told, unique to me. And I don't believe that. But I think it is sometimes uh, <laughs> different than the average person. And when I read this story, I like to think of all the warriors as like, all the like super athletes in high school, like these are all the guys that everybody wanted to be like. These are all the like the elite, the elite. And then you've got like everybody else in band who, who just, <laughs> and like you've got like that kid who just practices his whole life and all he's waiting for is his one shot, just his one shot like Eminem to, to make a difference 
in this, in this world. And then the Lord is like, here's what we're going to do. We're going to knock down this mighty fortress and we're going to use Mike, right? And he's like, yes, and it's his time. And he marches around and Mike and all his friends, you know, blow their trumpets and the walls come trembling, crumbling down. It's a beautiful story. And I love it because it does really kind of emphasize this idea that, that worship matters. It also reminds me that because of stories like this, worship as we know it today, specifically musical worship, makes sense to me. This emotional generating experience that most of us consider our worship time. You see, I'll put a quote on the screen. God wants us to know his truth in the most intimate of ways that we live it. He wants us to know his truth in the most intimate of ways so that we live it. He wants us to experience him. He wants us not just to hear a sermon or hear a song or read the words. He wants us to actually experience relationship with him. That's ultimately why we're here. So early in the scriptures, we see God using music and song as tools to instill his words and truth. And that's something that is hardwired into every single brain in this room still. From the beginning of creation, humans have been made to respond to worship this way. Researchers at the University of Edinburgh studied the relationship between music and remembering. They took 60 adults and randomly split them into three groups of 20. These were all English-only speaking adults. Then, all three groups studied words from the Hungarian language, but only for 15 minutes. Then, they gave the groups three different types of listen and repeat learning conditions. Researchers had one group simply speak the words. They had the second group speak the words to a rhythm or beat. And they asked the third group to sing the words. Then they took part in a series of language tests to see what they remembered. And guess what? The people who learned these new words by singing them showed a higher overall percentage. And not just a higher percentage, they performed two times better than those who simply learned the words by speaking them. So somebody is rolling around in this world right now being able to sing 15 minutes of Hungarian language nonsense. Because it doesn't say they taught them any sort of songs. It just says they taught them like... Hello, my name is Greg, you know, I mean, whatever. But somebody somewhere has never forgotten that song, and I thought that was a funny consequence. But the point is that our brains are designed to retain information through singing and melody. It's how you are made, and it's how I am made. God not only has, but will continue to teach and remind us this way. In the book of Revelation, when God is declaring the establishment of his kingdom, so this is far, far, far potentially out in the future. Revelations eleven fifteen has this description. Then the seventh angel blew his trumpet, and there were loud voices in heaven saying, the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. So you have all the way from Jericho to heaven, you have this trumpet, you have this blast, you have this melody proclaiming who God is. And that is what we are supposed to do. We worship as people not just singing for victory, like the people in Jericho, or around Jericho, but from victory, like the angel in heaven. We are supposed to be uh, fully surrounded by worship. And that's why some of you are so driven and can't hardly last a day or an hour without having some sort of music pumping into your ears because it feeds you and it's supposed to. It's how you are made. But here's the thing. 
that specific, beautiful expression of worship is lacking. It's one-dimensional at best. And this is why many of you have either never connected or have gotten bored with the church worship beneath the lights that you hear in a church service or a concert or, a, or even, even playing at home. It's something you've never been able to connect with because you oftentimes haven't allowed yourself to really understand how important it is for your soul. And so let me just say this out loud because I think it's going to apply to 60 or 70% of you in the room, maybe more, but that worship is as misunderstood a doctrine as any other within the church. And I think it starts with us. I think it starts with what we believe is worship. People even ask, like, well, how long is worship today? It's 15 minutes? It's 20 minutes? No, it's, it's the whole thing, and, it's, and it doesn't stop when you leave here, or at least it's not supposed to. But that's not how we think of it. And we use worship, and we exchange it for music, and then what we're really asking is, how long are they going to play music? And I even know that some of you, and I'm not looking around or trying to lock eyes with anybody specific, but some of you don't show up till after worship because it's that awkward for you to sit through. Because it does something grating, which, by the way, is it trying to connect with you and you saying, nope, so you'd rather show up later. That's what I want to talk about today, is how do we then apply this beautiful expression to our stories if we don't recognize that it is a misunderstood doctrine in the first place? Because contrary to popular belief, You've all been sitting in a season of worship if you visited Kesed at all lately. See, right now there's a whole bunch of people that are really excited about whatever it is God's doing here. And I think a lot of it is because friends of friends are starting to come to church again. People, are, people who got hurt by church are starting to come to church again. People are tuning in online. We had a guy in Texas tell me basically he was just, he might be listening right now. He's like, yeah, you know, there's just a bunch of us to get together and eat breakfast and just watch service. We're basically Kessid, Texas. And I'm like, what? I don't even, what? <laughs> it was so cool, right? He's like, yeah, it's really cool. My daughter and I sit around. We invite friends and stuff. Anyways, I just want to text you and say great sermon, right? And I was just like, okay, that's, that's awesome. And I love it, and I'm excited about it. But I don't know if you all realize that what's actually happening here at Kesed, I believe, is happening because we are coming together to worship. So let's talk about some really good worship theology and why I think that. To begin with, worship is determined by God himself, not by our sincerity, pious feelings, or musical skills. So every person in this room who's like, nah, I can't worship because I can't sing— you're just a liar to yourself. If you're taking notes, you should write that down. I'm a liar to myself. Just write it down, double underline, right? Just because you can't sing, right, or, or, or hum a tune doesn't mean that you can't worship because worship doesn't have anything to do with really music specifically. That's an element, that's an aspect, but it's much, much more with that. So let's start by realizing this. Not everything that is called worship is actually worship. This is a lesson learned in the very, very beginning of Scripture. Most of us know the story of Adam and Eve and their two sons, Cain and Abel. I don't know if we realize uh, that the whole opening of, of really Cain and Abel is a story about worship. It's in Genesis chapter 4. I'll put the verses on the screen if you don't have a Bible. It starts in verse 2. It says, Now Abel was a keeper of sheep. 
so he was a shepherd. And Cain, a worker of the ground, so he was a farmer. And in the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. Now I want to be very clear that these are both worthy offerings. Scripture is packed full, full of people bringing both these kinds of, offer, of offerings, of people generously bringing of their first fruits to God to recognize that he is the greatest and the most generous. And so I am going to reflect this God that provides for me by giving something back. But then the next verse says, And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering he had no regard. So Cain was very angry and his face fell. So what was Cain's problem? I remember as a kid, I used to think, well, Cain's problem was probably that he brought too many onions in his farmer's offering because the Lord hates onions the same way that I do. And he was like, nope, nope, too many onions in your offering. I don't think that's probably what the issue was at all. It probably had nothing to do with what he actually brought. Instead, what it was is the same issue that we have in this room. Cain lacked a proper theology of worship and he misunderstood what it was he was actually a part of. I'm just going to put it out there. You might be misunderstanding what it is you're actually a part of. And I think there's areas in my life where I'm doing the same. Cain brought an unacceptable sacrifice to the Lord and then demanded by his response that the Lord be pleased. Every single worshiper in this room and online has done this. Everyone has at one point, or maybe even is still today, brought an unacceptable offering to the Lord. Not because God demands a certain percentage or a certain level, but because of our understanding and our theology of worship, and that we basically bring the Lord our leftovers and then demand that he be happy with it. Today, an unacceptable sacrifice or leftover could look like a number of things. Most easily understood as the misprioritizing of three categories, your time, your talent, and your treasure. If you really want to spend time in this to, to figure out about your theology of worship, I challenge you to take even 15 minutes this week, just write time, double underline, talent, double underline, treasure, double underline, and then just mark out a day about what you spend most of your time doing, about what you do with most of the talent or gifts that you have, and about where you invest most of your treasure. Chances are most of it has nothing to do with God, his kingdom, his movement, or his call on your life. Most likely, it'll have a lot to do with you and with your agenda and with what it is you feel is important. Luke chapter 21, verses 1 through 4, this is the adventure verse for the week. We have a verse every week that the church is spending time in to, to unpack and, and kind of sit in. It's chapter t uh, 21, verses 1 through 4, this is Jesus. And it says, Jesus looked up. He saw the rich putting their gifts into the offering box. And he saw a poor widow put in two small copper coins. And he said, truly I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all of them. For they all contributed out of their abundance. But she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. This is not a verse about her money. This is a verse about her sacrifice, about her proper understanding of sacrifice. And the sacrifice she was being led to make was one that her and God had worked out. It wasn't that everybody's required to put everything into the offering basket 
or everybody has to volunteer for 30 hours a week minimum. It's nothing to do with that sort of thing. It has to do with you having a proper theology of worship and a relationship with God so that if you are a person, for instance, with great time, you should probably ask God where he wants to invest that time. It could not be in a local church community. It could be on the mission field. It could be helping uh, your neighbor. It could be sitting in the mall and waiting for somebody it, you know, to walk in and, and encourage. It could be uh, going to the gas pump and, and praying about if God wants you to help fill somebody's tank. If you have time, you should spend time asking God about your time. If you're a treasure person and God has blessed you with resources, you already know. You already know. You're an investor. God has made you to invest in things. We had a ton of people invest in camp, and it was amazing, and you're going to hear about it. But there was not a kid that wanted to go to camp that couldn't go to camp. And that's not because we had a bunch of parents who were able. It's because we had a bunch of other people who had money and resources to invest who said, that's going to be part of something that I want to do. If you have resources, God gave you those resources for a reason. They're not just to make you better. They're to help you make other people better. If you are a talent person, this is the one that probably gets me the most. If God just made you to lead, or he made you to sing, or he made you to create, or he made you to design, or he made you to serve, like you are solid support, you just fill up, and you're not doing those things, you are missing tons and tons and tons of peace that you could be bringing into your own life by bringing the talents that God has given you into other people's lives. That's what this story is about. And that's why this woman is highlighted above all the rest, because she didn't bring her leftovers. She brought the proper sacrifice. And that's what we're called to be if we are going to be people who worship. This community of Kesed will not be built by more volunteering, by better leadership, by more money, by better singing, by better preaching. That could help, but it won't, it's not gonna be the thing. It's not gonna be the thing. This community, true story, will be built through our desire to sacrifice. In other words, this community will be built through our worship. That's how we're gonna respond to what God's doing. If I have another person come up to me and tell me that there's a wave happening at Kesed, I just sense a wave. I'm like, I know. <laughs> I'm losing sleep over this wave, not because I don't trust God, but because he's given these sermons that I'm like, I don't want to preach that. Guess it's a place for people who are curious. I don't want to talk about people investing their time, talents, and resources. I just want to talk about how fun it is to be together and be different. And God's like, but who's going to, like, structure that? Who's going to, like, like you, have to, you have to, Danny, stop. And I'm like, no, you stop. That happens sometimes, folks. It doesn't go well for me. I don't sleep the rest of the night. <laughs> I know there's a wave. I know your family and friends are being impacted. But if we decide that it's because of something clever we're doing or clever I'm preaching 
or clever Chandra singing or certain leadership or certain whatever. It has nothing to do with us. This entire thing is happening because we are people called to worship. And the more eyes that are on us, the more focus we need to have on him who really matters. And no credit comes to us, and it never should. I'm going to say it again and again and again. The louder God sings in our community, the more we need to tilt our ears to him and less to each other and less to this place because he is the one designing all of it. And that is why he is the one who gets all the glory and the credit in the worship. At its deepest core, worship is the grand recognition of something more than you and I, more important, more powerful, more beautiful, and more loving than us. And it is him. This is the most life-giving posture a person can live their life from, and that's what God is trying to teach Cain. The story goes on that the Lord shows up to Cain, the one who worshiped with the wrong agenda. And he says, Cain, why are you angry? And why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? This is a heart of wellness. This is a heart of, 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 of seeking God. What is it about my posture that is off, that is not allowing my worship to be received? And he says, and if you do not do well, this is what he says. This is for a lot of you in this room and me. Hear it carefully. If you do not do well in this, if you keep worshiping yourself, Sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. God's desire for us to worship him not only fills our lives with the bounty of his presence, it also realigns us away from our own sinful desires. It completely warps us from the inside out to the beautiful posture of self-sacrifice, self-giving, self-denial, God-worship, others-focused, wholeness, all these kinds of things that we're preaching around here, which, by the way, are not clever uh, uh, branding techniques. These are like Jesus things, folks. If there was a brand, right, it would be Jesus. That's our brand. That's our, that's our whole strategy is Jesus. But it requires us getting behind him, which demands that we worship. Every offering we bring to God is worship working to realign our hearts. Every kind word, every patient response, every gentle hand is worship realigning your heart and mind. Romans 12.1 says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. There's the sacrifice again. You present your story to him. And you go, God, I want to live the best that I'm supposed to live. And God says, awesome, that's worshiping me. I'll do the rest. These sacrifices that you and I offer work in healing contrast to the brokenness we talked about last week. That which, if left to run itself rampant, consumes the soul it lives within. When you worship yourself, instead of kind of seeking God and recognizing the old man or the old woman is there from last week, when you worship yourself, you're actually out there going, old man, old woman, where are you? And you're like, look, you actually hunt for your old life. And that old life consumes you. And that's exactly what it did to Cain in verse 8. Cain spoke to Abel, his brother, after God asked him about his heart posture. And when they were out in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. Because he worshipped himself. Now, I'm not saying that if you and I decide not to be generous, time, talent, and treasure people, that we will all end up as murderers. <laughs> a bunch of you were like, good clarity, because I brought a friend. But I am saying, without it, 
we will end up eventually worshiping ourselves and the deepest desires of our self-focused heart. In Cain's case, that was the removal of his brother's presence from his life. The question then has to be asked, what's your deepest selfish desire? Is it power? Is it security? Is it reverence? Is it revenge, control, notoriety? Where are you supposed to sacrifice and present an offering to pull you away from that pre-easily pre seen path towards destruction? This is what I want to close with before I offer you an element for you to reflect on. I said earlier that worship is the great defeater of the enemies of God. I just want to add, and it's especially powerful when that enemy is you. You see, when we accept Christ as our Savior, it says we are choosing to worship him and so no longer called enemies of God. What that means is when we are not worshiping God and we are worshiping ourselves, we are functioning outside of God's will, outside of God's purpose, and we are part of the fray that is consuming one another, cannibalistic in every possible way we can. And God is asking us to allow him to bring the wholeness we are doing that to, that we're seeking. He's asking us to provide more. But we have to decide what it is and how it is we're going to do it. There's nothing that will get in the way of a flourishing faith life more than you worshiping yourself. And there is nothing that will get in the way of a flourishing faith community more than a bunch of people that think it's all happening because of them and what they want, even if what they want seems good. So, how do we fill a life with God's bountiful pre presence and blessing? How do we move along within his kingdom and live as he intends? We sacrifice our way there. In other words, we worship. And so I wanted to close our time uh, by asking Chandra, because she's responsible for this book that uh, she made me preach, um, some questions about worship and some questions about sort of how God has brought her to the place she is with it. And I'm not just talking musical worship. I want to bring clarity to that once again, but, but this sacrifice that she's brought. So would you please give a warm welcome for my friend, Chandra Geisen. Hello. 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 How do how, uh, you think I did with the book overall? Great. Yeah. You're welcome for it that. It was by far the hardest pick so far. <laughs> Preach about Odin and everything else in I church. I believe in Jesus, Chandra, not Odin. So do I. Okay. That's a good one. Um, Chandra, you are our worship leader. I am. You oversee the, the musical worship ministry at Kesed, yeah. uh, both campuses, everything we have. Um, Chandra is also in her uh, process to be uh, our worship pastor over all of the, the music and ministry here at Kesed. So that's something that we're working through together, which we're excited about. Um, very, very yeah. excited. Yes. Uh, I want to bring clarity once again, because I know I'm going to get emails. Dave's not going anywhere. No, he's not. Dave is still a pastor here. Uh, he is very bivocational and has an outside job, and this is what Chandra does for a living. So uh, he's on the team. I think he's at, is he at Columbia yeah, today? Yeah, he's over at Columbia. Okay, he's sitting at the Columbia campus. So uh, just... Clarity. So email somebody else for fun. But um, <laughs> Chandra, um, I did not ask you this at the earlier service. What is the difference between singing and worship? Yeah, you didn't prep me for that one. Um, honestly, 
for me, the biggest thing in my, in my journey, in my story, I feel like is that singing is much more of a, it's an expression of um, music, of course, something that I think we were created to do, um, whether we're really good at it or not so good at it. But I think the difference between that and worship is that worship is so much more a lifestyle. Um, and the biggest thing I love to say about it is that it's a heart posture. Worship is so much more about uh, the choices you're making um, day to day. You can worship while you're doing the dishes, um, you know, thanking the Lord for the food that you got to prepare on those dishes. Mm -hmm. And just moments like that are, I try to keep the forefront of my mind that um, worship is much more of a lifestyle. So, yeah. yeah. Now you, you're a decent singer. You're okay. Um. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> um, would you say you've always been a great worshiper? Definitely not. Um, I started in the church young as a little girl singing and people would compliment me. So I figured, I, I thought I might actually be good at this because people kept saying nice things. Um, I did that all through my childhood, middle school, high school, everything. But my lifestyle, again, was very different. Um, I did it because I was in the church and I knew I was decent at it. I enjoyed it, but I, the, um, oh, what's the word? What I wanted out of it was much more about me. It was much more about how good I was, how I sounded, um, you know, making sure I got all the beats in the worship set or I didn't miss something or crack, you know, my voice crack or something like that. So uh, it was a long time before I actually switched gears to realize what worship actually meant. Yeah, and that happened through a lot of pain, actually, because you grew up in the church, yeah. you were singing in the church, yeah. you had a different, different lifestyle. lifestyle. Yeah. And uh, like all of us yeah. on the journey with God, uh, just share a little bit about, about the pain yeah. and about sort of when you transition to this path of worship that yeah. you've been on now. Yeah, I think um, it's kind of a, it's a twofold answer. My, so my childhood church I grew up in, uh, I did worship for a long time, saying, traveled around with my, my dad, who was in the worship band as well. Um, and so I enjoyed it, and I did that a lot, but middle school and high school is when I got into all my problems, my partying and dating a lot of boys. And I actually found my then husband, um, that we are still married this month. We're celebrating 20 years of marriage, which is amazing. And, uh, five kids later, we do have five kids. No more. We are not having any more. <laughs> I promise we have dogs and things now. So, um, but I met him. So my senior year of high school, we were still at this church, very plugged in. And, uh, we started dating. I graduated. In June, found out we were pregnant in July, got married in August, and that church that I called home completely disowned our entire family and kicked us out. Um, major shame, rejection, unworthiness, all the things got planted at that point in my life. And so fast forward to the other part where I, we found a new church. We kind of started over, but all that stuff was buried and um, jumped into another worship you know, ministry, did that for a long time, but for me, that was where my focus became, life was hard, right? Being a young mom and young married couple and not having a lot of money and things. And so when I did worship, that was kind of my lifeline, really. I just didn't even know it at the time because I was hurting so much. Um, that's where I started focusing on the skill and trying to be perfect at everything I did. And so it wasn't until mid three or four kids in that I, I just got really tired of not feeling fulfilled. I had it backwards. I was, 
I thought that doing all these things and earning my place back in the church or my place, you know, with my relationship with the Lord is what I needed to do. And it was this flip where I had to bring all of that pain. I had to bring all of that um, just ugly stuff to him on the stage and sing these words and actually believe the words that I was singing or else it was all for nothing. So, yeah. Yeah. It's a long and answer. Sorry. That's a great answer. Um, you went on a long journey with that. And then you, uh, you walked into Kesset. I think you sang the first time at Kesset during Where the Girls Are series. Is yeah, right? I was a guest yeah. singer. It was uh, awesome. It, it, I was looking for a, a woman to lead us in worship and during a series about women and uh, sort of their, the, the, the role, I believe, that God has called them to, to play in worship. And then through that relationship and through lots and lots of prayer and a whole journey, you realized and your husband Kavika realized that um, God was calling you here. So I just want to ask you this. You're not prepared for this. Okay, here we go. Um, why, why are you here? In process to be our worship pastor, in process to, to continue to create spaces with your music and your worship, combining those, like, what is? Well, short answer is I felt like I needed to be obedient um, to the Lord in the season last year from, from the visit, coming here and, and helping out a little bit um, to taking a year-long break, actually, taking a first, my first three-month sabbatical since I was a little girl, being in the church singing. And it was a lot of prayer. I threw a lot of tantrums. I was very stubborn about it. I did not want to like it here. I will tell you that. Um, There's I, a lot of I, people here who relate to I that I really right did now, not. I said, <laughs> it's like a, we need to do a series about sorry, that. I like. know. Well, it was the first like staff meeting. We came and sat down and I said that to everybody and I yeah. went, that just came out of my mouth. I'm yeah. sorry. I'm sorry. But I didn't. I just, I fought it really hard. And I think I just knew that I knew that I knew that I was supposed to be here um, because it was, it literally was that still small voice from the Lord, but also it was in my husband affirming it and looking at me saying, I think that, that we're supposed to take this. And so... Um, here we are, four months, four months are. later. Yeah. <laughs> now uh, we're gonna we're gonna allow Chandra to lead us in a closing time of of musical worship, but uh, and so I'm gonna have the band come out, and uh, as they do, I just want you to know that one of the things that God has been doing uh, for us has been calling us to provide more uh, worship nights, worship focus nights uh, for our church community as a whole. So you're gonna be hearing about uh, quite a few of those coming up where you can just come and we'll have communion and different expressions and, uh, you know, probably a prayer wall and we're going to have extended worship. And so uh, we're really taking quite serious that God has called us to, uh, to respond to the movement and the people that are coming through, through worship. And, of course, musical worship is a, is a really important expression of that. Um, any final word for anyone here? Oh, or? man, I, I think with all of that, just as you talk, it's, it's very exciting. Again, the wave analogy is um, very real, and we hear it a lot, and we've been hearing it a lot over the last month or so. Um, and so I think just as far as encouragement goes, I, even for me, in the same, <laughs> same way, uh, the nerves and the excitement are all there for me, and I think everybody here. Um, but just to be ready and to... Um, be willing to open up your heart a little bit for new change. I think that the Lord is moving, not just in Kesed for sure, but in Clark County as a whole. And I think the worship posture, that heart of worship is what he's after. Um, so I just wanna encourage you in that to just trust him, trust him. Cause I know we are, we're trying. So yeah. 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 We just appreciate her. Let's pray together. 
and uh, before we do, let me just say this. Some of you, uh, you may have never worshipped before. This could be your very first time that you've ever been, been really consciously deciding to, to orient and to, 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 to sing out or speak out, or maybe you just need to close your eyes and just let the, the song uh, wash over you. It, it doesn't have to look like anything else or look like anything we've even talked about today. But my hope is that you understand that you becoming a worshiper, you bringing your offering of your presence and who you are, this, this is the path to the life that, that maybe you've never ever lived, to the marriage you've never had, to the influence uh, into people's lives, to care for them like you've always wanted. This is the path. It's a, it's a downward kind of falling into a, a place where you go before your God and you say, whatever you want, God. I'm in for what's next. And so uh, maybe try it and see what he does. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, that uh, we can just rest in this place for a minute. There's people here with stories uh, that are difficult, with, with things that are blocking them, with things that keep them uh, pessimistic or uh, self-focused or disappointed. And so, God, I ask that they would bring all those offerings to you, that they would bring their hurt, that they would bring their uh, criticism, that, God, they would bring whatever it is that's keeping them from being able to finally be the worshiper you've called them to be. May you break free within our room, within this church. May we continue to sacrifice as you continue to lead. May you be the focus and to you be all the glory. We worship you now in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to invite you guys to stand together as we close out our morning with this beautiful song, How Great Thou Art.
shout of acclamation and take me 